And now, it's time for Floria. Hi, welcome to Attitude of Altitude weekly podcast, Mindset of Happiness. My name is Floria, founder of Recognize Your Potential, and I am thrilled to introduce you, my dear friend, very, very special friend, whom I have known for over 20 years, uh, Juanita Peters, a broadcaster, filmmaker, producer, and the list goes on, but I will stop. You will hear all about her in our segments today. Welcome, Juanita. Thank you so much for taking time to join me here today. Thank you, Floria. I'm so thrilled. This is wonderful. I was so excited all day. I was like, oh my goodness, this is exciting. Especially given the fact which your background and expertise as a filmmaker, as a producer and broadcaster, you have so much history, so many fabulous experiences. Yes, a lot of uh, uh, a fun life, let me put it that way, a uh, uh, life full of lots of journeys, meeting lots of people, uh, variety, yes. Yes. About three weeks ago, Juanita and I were having brunch, and we were having some fabulous conversations. Um, one of those deep conversations that you have with great friends and you connect and uh, you're on a similar wavelength. And halfway through, I said, Juanita, would you please be uh, my special guest? And she agreed. <laughs> she hadn't had How anything to drink. No <laughs> Thank you. But she hadn't had anything to drink, okay? <laughs> That I know. So uh, this is fantastic. And we will probably have part two or three as well today. Uh, so watch for more than one segment. And uh, Juanita has <clears throat> wonderful experiences uh, from different walks of life. And... Uh, a lot of times uh, she is doing the background work and showcasing uh, many other talents. And it's always very exciting to see her shows. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Juanita. Well, I'm, um, I always say I'm a, a product of accidents, truly. Um, <laughs> and uh, the reason I say that is because nothing I've done in my le- life was ever planned. <laughs> and I often do uh, talks in universities and, and colleges uh, with young writers and, and hopeful filmmakers, storytellers. And, and I, you know, I was just kind of doing it uh, as a kid. I was writing. I got my first cassette player when I was about nine years of age and what I did was I would tape voices of people just conversations my parents you know if if we were being sent to bed early I knew that meant my parents were having company right my 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 family were having company and all the children were put to bed early so I would set the tape recorder going uh, so that I could hear what the conversations were the next day and of course the tape would run out somewhere you know within an hour or whatever but um, it was it I didn't always understand what the conversations were about, but what I did understand were voices. 
who were the people at that table? Who were the people in that room? And how did they feel when they were all together? What were the emotions that were displayed? And I used a lot of that in the characterizations that I would later uh, write. But I started writing uh, plays when I was about 12 years of age, uh, 12, 13, uh, based on a lot of those conversations, which I would have to change so that people didn't know that's what they were about, um, and enlisting family members, cousins, brothers, you know, sister, to be in these, these plays. Um, they weren't very good, but they were entertaining to the people because they heard about Uncle Arnold's store. They heard about places that were familiar to them. And I realized that that's what people were looking for. They were looking for stories that they could connect to, that had something that was familiar to them. Um, and that's where it all started. Uh, I started um, uh, after my family were no longer interested in always being in my place for free and I think I might have been a little bossy you know, in those days which people get annoyed with after a period of time so uh, as everyone starts going their own way I wound up having to do a lot of these things by myself uh, so I would test them out as a one woman show where I played you know five six seven eight characters and sometimes even animals you know I'd be a dog or a cat whatever and um, I got my first uh, job in radio doing a character voice for a Burger King commercial. Who knew you got paid, right? I, I went, I did the commercial, I got a check, and I thought that was it. Until these other checks started coming in the mail. They're called uh, residuals. Uh, so every time that commercial got played, I would receive uh X amount of whatever, right? And uh, every four months I would get this check and I was like, wow, that's pretty exciting. Um, I went to broadcast school for about a year and while I was there, uh, I started in September, I was hired full-time by Annapolis Valley Radio uh, by November of that first year. Uh, so I would go to classes in the day from uh, 8.30 in the morning until 12 o'clock noon and I was the afternoon broadcaster um, on the air from 1 o'clock until 6 p.m. Uh, and then I would leave the studio at 6.30, quarter to 7, and go work my Burger King job till I think, midnight or 11 o'clock, depending on, I can't remember in those days. It might have been 11 o'clock, from 7 to 11 or something like that. And uh, then I'd go home to my uh, boarding house where I lived with two other uh, a, a wonderful lady who owned the boarding house. Her name was uh, it was her home, and we boarded there. Three students, myself and uh, uh, Lisa Harlow and pa Patty McKenzie. Um, and I would go to Lisa, who was also in the same broadcasting course, and get the work that everybody had done all afternoon. And and uh, yeah, so I would work on that overnight go back and do it all. Look, I tell you, when school was done, I was so excited. I was like, all I got to do now is work. That's so easy, right? But I always kind of, um, I was always interested in voices. I was interested in characters. I was interested in how people made you feel when they appeared in front of you. So I always think of that in terms of when I'm writing, you know, who is this character? Are they, are they mean? Are they kind? Are they, uh, are they a little uh, dubious? You know, what do they bring, you know, to the page or the stage, right? So, uh, so yeah, I did that for a long time. <clears throat> and interesting when you talk about the emotions, the voices that you would hear and the emotions that 
you attached to all of that and the emotions were guides for you to understand better, get to know them. And you already know that for, I always say, and you've heard me say many times that emotions are gifts because they tell us what the thoughts are before the emotions. They clearly say, Hey, this is what you're thinking. And that is very exciting for me. And you, I mean, we grow up very differently, but nevertheless, you were interested in those emotions for different reasons. I can remember even noting things by what was not said as a child. I can remember noting, hmm, that means something. I can remember one particular time... We used to get a dime, 10 cents for allowance every week. And um, when you had a dollar, you could go and buy a record. And and my grandfather would take us to Sam the Record Man in in Toronto. Uh, uh, I think it was maybe once a month or something like that. I can't remember. But in any case, I've got my uh, dollar, and uh, we're going to the record store. And I see this woman who I think is absolutely gorgeous. She's got, you know, this beautiful, like, short mini dress on. You know, the makeup is perfect, the eyelashes, the the shoes. And I say to my grandfather, look at that lady. And my grandfather just whips me into the store. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, and I'm like, that meant something. That meant something. He didn't Mm. say, oh, yes, you know, isn't that nice? Or, Or he didn't say anything. And somehow I knew that there was something about that woman mm-hmm. that I wasn't supposed to know, ah. I wasn't supposed to connect to, mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to admire, uh-huh. right? Uh, there was something, and it took me years, of course, but <clears throat> I was only probably about four or five at the time. But uh, now I get it, of course. Right? Yes. Right? But you know by uh, people's um, reactions, behaviors, mannerisms, even when things are not said, mm-hmm. that there's, if it veers from their natural uh, behavior, mm-hmm. that there's something to be said there. Absolutely. And I know you have extensive background in communication and writing and broadcasting. So you know that 93% is not the language. It's not what's said. It's not what's said. What people feel, what people fear, mm-hmm. what people hope, and sometimes people can't articulate that in words, but you see it in how they, how they move through the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in terms of, of uh, well, fear. Yes. Fear in very different ways. You know, some people fear something and they back away from it. They just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Some people fear something and they lash out at it. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, some people fear uh, things and they become very hypersensitive to it. Uh, fear looks different in, in depending on the personality. And the same with hope. So we respond to it differently. We do. We all respond to it differently. And it depends. um, uh, I'm no psychologist, but I would say it it probably depends on how much you think that thing 
can affect you. Okay, how much power it has? Yes, potential. Do you remember when we first met for coffee? And we had seen each other over time at different events, and we sat down for coffee. Actually, the coffee shop is just on the other side of the street where you and I met for coffee. And you, we sat down and we talked for three hours. I remember that because I remember seeing you around. And every time I saw you around, again, it's an energy, right? And I go, wow, whoever that woman is, she's always happy. She's always, she's, when you walk into a room, people feel very happy. And so my question to you was, tell me about Florida. (laughs) (laughs) She asked that question. And I just, uh, without a second thought, I said, I live a life of gratitude and appreciation. And I had forgotten that I had said that for years. And it was only in the last year that somebody asked me a di- another question similar. And then it just popped out of my, and that's a, wait a moment. I've said that before. And then it came to me. You used to work at the National Film Board. That's correct. Yes, I've uh, produced a few films and written and directed a few films with the National Film Board. And um, and one of the reasons why I, I asked that question of you, Floria, you know, tell me about Floria. Uh, and I often will ask that of many people. And we all have a hard time describing who we are, but I love your yes. answer in terms of living a life of gratitude because uh, people have asked me and have said, boy, aren't you really lucky and aren't you? And I say, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Because I've never walked through life expecting anything in life other than, and what I mean by that is I do expect a lot of myself, mm-hmm. but I've never expected other things to come to me, which have come to me in those ways. I expect a lot of things of myself in terms of what I give, but I never expect anything in return. It's, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm ve- I'm very rarely disappointed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm very rarely disappointed. And if anything, I always think in terms of Wow, am I ever lucky that that fell off the plate and, you know, this happened and, you know, whatever. Um, there was never, ever a design on, you know, uh, in 10 years I'm going to do this, in 20 years I'm going to th- These things were never even things that were on the plate. But if I walked into something and saw something that I thought was interesting or really liked, I'd go, gee, I'm going to try that, right? Yes. And at the same time, you have always been inspired. When I look at you, and uh, even the first time long before we even had coffee, when I saw you, I thought to myself, there is someone who is inspiring. There is someone who is graceful and uh, sees possibilities and then allows them to happen. That's what I thought of you when I first saw you. Yeah. My doors, it's always open. And you know, my life, is, I always say my life is like my house. It is. My door, in the way that I think of things, it's always open. I've never ever thought, 
I could I would never do that or I could never do that or uh, and and by the same token I look at other people and feel the same way you know I you know what gives me the greatest pleasure is seeing somebody else who has potential that they haven't realized and putting them in front of that thing mm-hmm. that will give them the will show them reflect themselves back so that they can see what they actually have and what they possess and uh, and and then seeing them you know uh being able to move in a direction that they like yes yes we'll just move on um i know different times i've heard you say that you um Somebody, you have an idea, somebody says no or not right now or not you or whatever, and you still keep on moving forward. Yeah, because I do it for me. I don't actually do it for anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I remember a, a very good friend of mine saying, Juanita, how do you continue to write when like one in, in maybe 15 things that you do uh, actually gets produced? And I said, it's kind of like playing the guitar. Like, you know, I'm... I'm singing because I just like to sing. And occasionally, somebody else likes it too. And isn't that great? To me, it's a bonus. But I'm I'm going to be who I am and do what I do anyway. It was never about, uh, you know, reaching uh, masses or, or um, uh, yeah, it's, it's about doing what you enjoy and putting out what you need to. That, that, that's, for me, that it's need to. I need to write that thing. Why do you need to write that? Um, sometimes it's because uh, it's just really fun to me. And, and, mm-hmm. and it, it costs me nothing. It costs me nothing to write that thing, right? Um, and then sometimes I need to put this, I need to write this because it's important. To you? I think it's important to me first. Mm-hmm. And once I set it in motion... Um, I'm hoping that other people can see why this is important that they at least consider mm-hmm. a particular thing. Okay. Right? Um, but most important, it's it's important for me to put that to paper for posterity. Okay. So you do it for the fun of it. Yeah. It's all fun. It's all, it's all fun. It is. And, and, and even in terms of, um, and I, I never knew this, you know, in thinking in terms of even as a kid when I was writing, you know, scripts, I always thought that I'd really plotted it all out. And then I look back at it and go, no, you know, I would start something because something inspired me and I'm mm-hmm. having fun. And then it would often take these other directions, which I, you know, I've had to have people kill people, which I had never anticipated was going to happen. And it just happens. And it seems like it's the most natural thing for that particular character. And I would never have wanted that to happen, right? But that's mm-hmm. what happens because that it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's like these things are, uh, once you enter into uh, that period of time, that person's circumstance, that person's environment... Um, and you're doing the research and you understand, it's like you're standing in their shoes now, right? You're standing in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And now, what does that uh, person 
let's uh, take a, a woman in, you know, uh, 1910 uh, North America who is uh, pregnant uh, and is young. What are her choices? Mm-hmm. She lives in a rural community. What are her choices? It's not the same as today. No. Uh, in number one, she's pr- not probably not going to even tell anybody, right? Maybe her sister or her mother or grandmother can tell by looking at her that she's pregnant. But what are her choices? You know, depending on her circumstances, if she comes from an upper wealthy family, she's probably going to be sent away, <laughs> right? <laughs> Truly. She's either going to be sent away to live with an aunt somewhere, um, and that child is going to be raised by, by somebody else, or she's going to be set, sent to a home for unwed mothers. Mm. Uh, in um, if you are uh, of uh, um, uh, a lesser vocation, if you are a farmer's daughter or or um, you know something like that, then your choices are even less. You know you are very limited. Yes. Now, going back to who Juanita is, yes. who is Juanita? Well, Juanita is um, someone who uh, doesn't pre-plan the future. Mm-hmm. Juanita is somebody who uh, sees a story everywhere I go, uh, everywhere I go. Uh, Juanita is someone who uh, was always so interested in people that it would annoy my mother. You know, I would talk to people at the age of four and five on the uh, uh, Toronto Transit, and uh, my mother would be, you know, just so nervous because she wasn't used to talking to people she didn't know, and and um, uh, people are just genuinely interesting to me for all kinds of reasons, even people that some people may not like. I still am interested in what makes them. And... Um the other day when we were talking, I asked you a question that, um, what are some of your thoughts or how do you do things? And even when sometimes people may discourage you or say, oh, no, the naysayers. Yeah. And uh, you gave me a very interesting answer. What did I say? You said you acknowledge the risk or the pitfalls or what might, what might go wrong or the negative thing, but you move away from it very quickly. You ignore the chances of what may, might go wrong and you focus on what you want. Yes. And so, and what I mean by that is um, certainly, you know, if somebody says, and, and people are giving me, you know, very good advice in terms of, you know, when you, you, know, you can't actually uh, shoot that film uh, with that kind of a budget in all those locations. So I'm going to take that under consideration for sure. And uh, I'm going to say, okay, well, so how can I make that happen, right? I, I'm, I, I always... Uh, and the other thing is, I am always very uh, aware that what story resonates with me and maybe a group of a few thousand other people may not resonate with the person who is actually reading that script. I'll give you an example. About 25 years ago, we presented a script 
about uh, a black man who was um, uh, persecuted and later hanged uh, because his dog mated with black man whose dog mated with a white woman's dog. The networks told me it's just too unbelievable. It's just, it's not, it was actually pulled from a South African newspaper. It actually happened in 1975, 1975, 1965. And, um, and so, you know, the people who were making those decisions had no knowledge of these type of events as being real. Um, and so I continue to write. I just continue to write. And, and um, uh, it has shot, sat, sat on a shelf for uh, over 25, 30 years now. But someday it might come out, right? Or somebody else hopefully will tell that story. Um, uh, I never, ever think that the importance of something rests with one person's eyes. It has to be the right eyes on it and the right uh, um, understanding of, of that piece. And we can't all understand everything because we all come with our own limitations as to what we uh, are aware of, what we have uh, been uh, witness to in our environments growing up, what we've heard of, what we've read. I would rather talk to somebody about a subject that's read 10 books on that subject than somebody who's read one, right? Because they've only heard one view on mm-hmm. the subject. And, and certainly if you've read 50, I really like you now. <laughs> and, it, and it's not about us agreeing or disagreeing. It's okay. about telling me what, you're, what you know about that now. What have you heard? What's your interpretation of that? Uh, because it all means something um, in the long run. And we can't um, ever understand um, things if we don't share information. If we don't, you know, I, I love saying, you know, um, and I have had to say many times in my lifetime, I may not agree with you, but now I understand how you arrived at that conclusion, mm-hmm. right? Now I understand how you got there. Now I understand why you feel the way that you do about A, B, or C, right? Yes. Um, I don't have to like it. I don't have to agree with it. Uh, but I, I love hearing. Uh, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't like eating peas, but I'm not going to stop the guy next to me from eating peas because those peas will do him well, <laughs> right? But I don't have to eat them, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I know um, you, uh, on a personal level, in your own life, have done so many different things that you were inspired to do so. Mm-hmm. And anyone else, everyone else would have said, no, it's not the right thing for you, would have discouraged you. And you didn't let that affect you. No. How did it, you do that? Well, first of all, um, in the earlier days, I never knew. I never knew that people were saying that. Um, it was happening, but I didn't know it. And I just thought, oh, well, they don't need me. I'll just go across the street and do it there. So, and that's how I did it, right? Um, and then as I got older uh, and realized that there were people that had barriers, I, I acknowledged it. I acknowledge that they had barriers, mm-hmm. not my barriers. Those belong to them, right? So I just leave it there in their domain and keep moving, right? And yes, it's discouraging because uh, it takes you longer. Mm-hmm. It takes you longer to do the simplest things, right? But again, 
I had no timeline on myself. I had no uh, long-term expectations of in career. Uh, I just continued to do what I like to do. And occasionally, some things work. I call it throwing things against the wall. I throw things against the wall, some things stick. A lot of it falls to the floor. I got a whole cabinet drawer full of lots of stories. And when you say you've done a lot of things, for me, it's one thing. It's storytelling. Yes. It's the storytelling in different ways, even through uh, I produce uh, um, music as well. It's still storytelling. Yes. But when I hear that and what I have just heard from you, I hear that you enjoy the storytelling but and you do it for the fun of it because you enjoy it rather than focusing on uh, telling the story so that other people enjoy it. Yes. You enjoy it, you tell the story, and then those who enjoy it, come and listen. Those who don't, don't. I remember someone saying to me one time, I said, Juanita, are you ever worried that someone will come to your play and not like it? And I said, not really. I said, I'm expecting there to be lots of people who don't like it. I went to the movie theater of movies that had, you know, 10, $50 million budgets and didn't like them, right? But lots of people in that theater did like them. So I'm okay with that, right? I, I do it because I love doing it. And uh, it gives me some pleasure. And I do it because some things are just really important. They're important to me to write. They're important to me to uh, almost um, get off my chest or to release into the world. It's like giving birth to something, right? Um, and if those things uh, create conversation, if those things get to the right ears, what a fabulous bonus. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I don't make those a stipulation uh, because... You could be so disappointed, you know, that only 40 people came to the theater tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Think of it in those terms. I think, you know, the story is out there. Um, people who uh, will like it will come and see it. Um, hopefully it travels in other ways, you know, and, and hopefully people have some lively conversation over it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that don't judge yourself by what other people think and don't expect to please them never you know the other thing is and one of the reasons you should never do that uh, is because in 20 years that same work will resonate differently with people yes right the more we know the more we understand certain things Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, or vice versa you know, I could wind up being condemned for some of the things that I wrote today, you know, in 20, 30 years, right? Uh, but for me, it's the here and now. This is what I know right now. Uh, and this is what I'm sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the things I want to consider. And sometimes I'm actually writing things because I'm con- I'm trying to work things out. I'm trying to understand certain uh, um, um, dynamics or mm-hmm. certain uh, um historical uh, facts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I write it down, and uh, I actually always make lots of discoveries along the way. Uh, Some of them really fun, some of them happy, some of them are are pretty tragic. Uh, But all in all, you know, it it all uh, comes out, right, in the the writing, and 
I play around with it in a way that I hope is entertaining. And and I know that no matter what, you maintain your balance. Well, not always, Floria. <laughs> I try. I really try. And, and uh, um, you know, we're, we're all human. And so we can all kind of get knocked off our... Our, our, our shtick, you know, every once in a while. Uh, but I think for me, it's just to, to remember, you know, why we do what we do. Uh, what gets you up? What gets you up in the day? You know, I can remember people saying, oh, my gosh, Juanita, like, you know, you do so much. And you know what I said? But you know what? The best feeling is when you can't wait to get up in the morning to get to that thing, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. I can remember, uh, you know, as a kid, Saturdays, uh, we were allowed to have our cousins in to dance all day. But you had to get your homework or your homework and your housework done first. And so if the big jobs, it was, so we would rotate, my sister and I, you know, if my, if, if this was the big jobs, which was the cleaning the floors, cleaning the bathroom, doing the laundry, that's the big week. If it was my week to do those things, I was up at 6.30 in the morning to make sure I got my stuff done so my friends could come dancing all afternoon, right? Wow. While I'm doing those things, I'm thinking about dancing, (laughs) right? And the same here, you know, as I'm getting up, and I might be tired as old heck because it's been late nights and early mornings, but I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to get to blah. And it's, it's I think everybody should have that. Everybody should have that thing that they wake up to that they can't wait to get started on i mess it up for most people it's other things right but i it's all things that i just make up out of thin air so so you enjoy the journey i love the journey i love the journey because i never know where it's gonna go and uh and for me that's the most some people would find that frightening uh, for me, that's the most exciting part. I have no idea where it's going to go. I can remember even, uh, my partner will tell you, he'll, he would be saying to me, you know, where's the script? Where's the script? And the past is flying in and in, in, in three weeks. And I say, it's coming. I got it in my head, right? And I would, you know, I now I know that the cast is a week away and I've got to give them something, right? So I start, right? It's I love working under pressure. Uh, it doesn't actually feel like pressure to me. Uh, but I know it is because people need it. Um, but it doesn't feel bad to me. That might sound strange. That no. Pressure doesn't feel bad to me. It just feels like now the, now those wheels have to turn. Right? I spun this wheel over here. Uh, and now I have to turn my head to this one. Because this is the one that needs me right now. It's like mm-hmm. 20 children. I don't know. Or 12 children, right? You know, and people would always say, well, how do you take care of 12 children? They say, well, you know, who do you give the most attention to? And I, my grandmother would say, the one who needs me. Mm-hmm. Right? So those guys are all doing well. But this one needs me right now. So I turned my head to that one. And that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. They're all uh, things that you uh, lovingly take care of. And uh, you spend uh, this particular time on the one that needs you right now. How about your peace? You always seem very calm, down to earth. You are, and you don't just seem it. (laughs) You are, and you have a sense of harmony and peace. Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, I... Here's what I will say about that, is I can remember um, 
always saying, I, I never want any regrets in my life. I never want any regrets. Yes, many people say that, but that doesn't mean they don't have regrets. And, and uh, I do have regrets. There's lots of regrets that I have. Uh, but I always remember um, to try not to. Um, I can remember, uh, give you an example, uh, when my, I, I grew up in the same household with my grandmother, my grandmother and my grandfather. My father died when I was very young. My mother had polio. And, um, and so from the age of two, uh, I was two, my uh, brother was three, my sister was four. We all moved in to the same home with our grandparents for support. Uh, and, um, and so my grandmother was like my second mother, even though she was my grandmother, you know, mm -hmm. she didn't take over from my mother. My mother did her motherly stuff, but my grandmother was there too. And, um, I can remember when my grandmother died, um, I, I didn't cry. I mean, I did cry in the beginning, but it immediately turned to this weird celebration the first thing I did when I walked into the house was grab my grandmother's records. And I started playing my grandmother's records. And we mm. all started playing Name That Tune. And all of a sudden, all these games broke out in the, in the living room and skits and whatever. Because that's who my grandmother was. Mm. It was like she was in the room. And so everybody who had um, any kind of communication with my grandmother... They brought that in the doors. There were people running, you know, sitting there crying and whatever. And I can remember it took me almost a year to cry. But I wasn't crying because she had died. I was crying because I missed her. Mm -hmm. And I had something new to tell her. And she wasn't there to share. One of the reasons I think I felt that was because I had no regrets. I had no regrets. I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. I spoke to her every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., no matter where I lived. And I always told her how much I loved her. And I didn't even have to tell her because she knew. She knew by how I treated her. Um, and the, the day before she died, I actually spoke to her. It was a Thursday night. And I spoke to her and said, I'm coming to Nova Scotia tomorrow. My grandmother lived in Weymouth, Nova Scotia. I said, but I won't see you on Friday. I won't, I'll come see you Saturday night because Saturday I'm standing up in a wedding, right? With my friend. And uh, on the Friday, my mother says, my grandmother was relaying this to the other grandchildren and she was showing them how I was going to dance at this wedding. Mm. She died that night. Wow. Right? Went to bingo, came home, died that night. And so... Um, you know, those images for me are just so wonderful. Like if we could all go like that. Yes. Again, having no regrets. I don't think my grandmother had any regrets. Oh, I mean, I'm sure she, she might have. Mm -hmm. But she lived her life uh, well and enjoyed her life. And she enjoyed uh, the people around her. Uh, actually, my artistry comes from my grandmother. My grandmother... Uh, would have concerts. We thought everybody did this. We'd have concerts in our house every Saturday. In fact, I have many tapes, reel-to-reel -reel tapes of us uh, in concert at our home. On wow. Many. I think the youngest tape I have that my grandmother taped, I'm, uh, I think, three years old singing on on this particular tape. And uh, the oldest is probably, we have a lot of uh, 
uh, Super 8 film of us right up until the age of, I think, 12 or 13. Wow. So, um, but this was normal for us. Our grandmother would all week long position us. And we didn't even know it. She'd be giving you lines that you had to remember. And you didn't know how you were going to deliver those. What sense? You couldn't make sense of them uh, until Saturday night. Right? And then she would call you at a specific time. So you'd all be lined up. And she'd be on the piano, you know, uh, playing away. And again, these songs made no sense at all to us until they were all put together, until we all came and played our role. And then we go, oh, that's who's, you know. Wow, <laughs> yeah. how fabulous. Yeah. I, you know, I, I often wonder who my grandmother would have been if she lived in Chicago or New York mm-hmm. or Atlanta, you know, uh, somewhere else where she was not classically trained. Um, she had no real formal training, uh, but she understood music and fun. Yes, sounds like it. Um, we're going to take a short break and come back to, uh, after we've had a bit of uh, refreshing water and uh, replacement, and we'll be back shortly for part two with Juanita, and thus far, you've mentioned no regrets. Do it for the fun of it. Enjoy the journey. And uh, ignore the negatives or let go of the naysayers. Don't give it power. So we're going to come back and we'll discuss more on that, uh, a lot more on that, uh, on those topics. So come back. We'll see you later. Please go to www.recognizeyourpotential.com for more information about Floria. Floria would love to hear from you. <laughs> 